Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take some time to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those questions and you supported the show, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. Now, all the questions of the companion videos come via people sending them in via the tip link that you see down below. If you'd like to get a comment or question on the show or in a companion video like this one, simply go down to the description of our videos and you'll see a tip link. Click on that or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question addressed on the show if we deem your comment or question appropriate for our shows. And of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campus Show. Thank you guys very much for your support. Okay, let's not waste any time and get right into it. And we're going to start getting caught up with a question from Hitchcock is the goat who writes, the show we never knew we needed, but now we know we must have. The Vespa Gang versus the Tracksuit Mafia. The battle to see which mediocre side group of characters from each mediocre show will win. LOL. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm not really... I, I didn't like Hawkeye. I, mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And there are a couple episodes that I thought were pretty good. Overall, I didn't like Hawkeye. And the tracksuit mafia, we've been joking about them forever. But yeah, Boba Fett, so far, I'd say I'm generally disappointed in. Uh, again, don't hate. A couple episodes I've liked. I like this last episode. But they're just doing some things in it that just make me shake my head, just wondering what Favreau's thinking, who obviously knows the Star Wars world. I mean, look what he's done with Mandalorian. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing his vision for Boba Fett right now. But we still got a few episodes to go. Let's see how it turns out. All right, next up, we've got uh, also Hitchcock is the Goke go it's possible casting john krasinski as reed richards and dr strange 2 as only a one-off film could backfire as fan service teasing fans with his presence and then not having him be the main mcu iteration would be like stopping sex after foreplay i disagree i think that's a very limited small way of looking at it look if they pop in John Krasinski is Reed Richards, and they narratively explain it well that this is a... Look, for those of you who know what we're talking about, there's a rumor going around that very well may not be true, but there's a rumor going around that John Krasinski is going to pop up in Doctor Strange 2 as a variant of Reed Richards. Like, not the main Reed Richards we're going to get in the MCU, but a variant other dimension, other reality, multi-universe version of Reed Richards. If they do that, and if it makes narrative sense, the audience will be fine with it. And for all we know, the next person to play Reed Richards could be five times better than Krasinski playing Reed Richards. So honestly, that's why filmmakers really shouldn't... I, I, everybody hates that I say this, but I believe it 100% true. Filmmakers really shouldn't listen to fans. Filmmakers should take the pulse of fans, absolutely. Like, take the pulse of the fandom and what's out there, but then use your own judgment as to what to make into your film stuff. Like, don't listen to the fans because the fans never have one unified voice anyway. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, next up. K-Rock writes, What's up, movie fam? Did you all know Tupac, Tupac was in talks with George Lucas to play Mace Windu before he passed? Do you think that would have changed the reach and impact of Star Wars? I think a lot more kids would have been Jedi for that Halloween, LOL. Well, just to make sure you're clear on this, it's not like Tupac was going to be Mace Windu. 
Now, this all comes from a story that somebody says Tupac told him that Tupac apparently had said that he had a meeting with George Lucas to talk about Star Wars. And that apparently was a Mace Windu thing. But it's not like we don't know if he ever actually came close to getting the role. We don't know if he would have been any good in the role. I mean, we don't know. We'll never know. But they ended up getting Samuel Jackson, which was very, very popular amongst fans for him to do. But I mean, yeah. But look, there's probably 50 celebrities that all talked to George at some point or another for certain roles. But that is certainly one of the more interesting ones. All right. Next up. Uh, K-Rock also writes one of two. Uh, Rob, who is not here right now, did you get a chance to listen to the Marvel Method podcast I told you about the other day? John, if Rob hasn't told you yet, you need to check out the Marvel Method podcast. In short, Method Man is the host. That's awesome already. Um, Method Man is the host. Different celebrity guests talk about uh, their favorite character runs in Marvel Comics. Method Man then brings on the writer of that run. Then Method Man and said celebrity guests geek out and ask them questions as us comic book readers want to know. Definitely worth the listen. Listen, I've already got a lot of podcasts I listen to. I don't know if I can squeeze in another one. But once I make some room on my podcast list, this definitely sounds like one. I didn't even know this one existed. This sounds like one I should probably definitely check out. So I will add that to my queue of podcasts to listen to. Thank you for the recommendation on that, K-Rock. That sounds great. All right. Next up, Neurostrike writes, John and Co., take the black melon. It will help you recover. This is a Boba Fett thing. Uh, it takes some getting used to. In time, you'll crave it. I really hope y'all are on board with uh, the book of Boba Fett now. In Favreau, we should trust. The real test will be how Star Wars on TV fares outside of his influence. I mean, look, I trust Favreau. That's why I had super high uh, expectations and super high excitement for the book of Boba Fett. But just because I love John Favreau and I think he's awesome, that doesn't mean everything he does is great. Not every shot that Michael Jordan went in the net, not every shot that Wayne Gretzky took ended up as a goal. Not every pass that Tom Brady has thrown has been for a touchdown, right? And John Favreau is no different. Like he killed it with a lot of stuff he does. He killed it with Mandalorian season one. He killed it with Mandalorian season two. But just because we love him and we know he's great, that doesn't mean we're going to call, you know, a stick a flower. Right now, the book of Boba Fett is a stick so far. We still have three episodes to go, but let's see how it goes. All right. Next up, Senpaigar writes. I'm a Boba Fett fan, and but after seeing the newest episode, I can say that I'm really disappointed and a bit sad that this show, for me, has been a letdown. And he keeps saying his name all the time. Show us that you are Boba Fett. Stop telling us. I remember, first of all, I love when he says, I am Boba Fett. The way Tamora says that, I think, is awesome. But then there was a, that moment in the last episode where he's like, picks up the, this dumb little robot is like i am boba fett to the little stupid robot i mean okay now it's laying it on thick and yeah I, and I like the episode i did but there were still some things in it that i thought were kind of weird all right next up Sempigar also writes boba well i go out of the pit and jawas were grabbing at me before i got knocked out i think i will go back here for my armor yeah that makes sense felt like he should have been chasing sebastian the crap in that one scene what the hell? Yeah, I mean, a few people wrote in about that. It's like, wait a minute. Boba Fett knows he got out of the Sarlacc pit with his armor. Why is he looking inside the Sarlacc pit? And why is he flying his ship so close to the open mouth of the Sarlacc pit 
when he knows the Sarlacc throws out its tentacles to grab people and pull them in. I mean, it's like everybody in the world was screaming at the TV, Boba Fett, you're being an idiot. Why are you flying the ship? First of all, why are you even looking for your armor in there? Number two, why are you flying your ship so close? Everybody knows what's about to happen, apparently except for Boba Fett. And that was, you know, my biggest gripe with the show so far is that they portray Boba Fett as not being particularly bright. He's not particularly intelligent. He's done a lot of really dumb things. I mean, not the least of which, hey, I met some kids in the street. I'm going to hire you as my muscle, even though I have never seen you throw a single punch. I, I mean, that and then this stuff, eh, it's been a little bit weak. All right, next up, we go to, that was some Pygar. Next, we go to Seconds from Disaster Rights. Hello, Campia fam. This question is for Rob, who is obviously not here right now. I noticed at 1 minute and 41 seconds of the Moon Knight trailer, the guy he is beating down is a werewolf. Nobody is talking about this, so what are your thoughts? P.S. I'm glad you liked my theory on Gore coming across Hella's crown. Uh, so that was in another companion video that that came in on. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people mention that. I watched it again, and I'm not 100% sure about that, but y'all are probably right. So, I mean, that obviously has connections in the story, but there have been Seconds from Disaster, a bunch of people talking about it, so you are not alone. You're not alone, so you're probably onto something there. All right, Legally Eagly writes, one of three. I love that you're enjoying Peacemaker, and I wish James Gunn and crew all the success in the world. I hate the show. I can't get on board. There are intriguing story ideas, White Dragon and Butterflies, and great characters, Eagly and Vigilante, but Peacemaker is so vulgar. Tits galore, a pick of a vagina, that whole P&V joke, more F-words in three episodes than The Departed, I think every other line has an F word just to be edgy. The humor is cringy with jokes going on for too long. I half expected Cena to pull out his dong and twirl it around while dancing. It's an overload of filthy and it's too much for me. I'm in the minority for sure, but I'm done. The opening dance number was goofy. The first time I skipped it and the next, the first time, but I skipped it the next two times. All right, well, listen, Legally Eagly, uh, Legally Eagly, I like the name, by the way. Look, the show doesn't work for you. That's perfectly fine. Look, here's the thing. All the, like the, the vulgarity stuff and the effort, that stuff doesn't sit with your sensibilities. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I remember I walked out of, damn, what was the name of the movie? The Johnny Knoxville movie. I think it was called The Ringer, right? And in The Ringer, it's Johnny Knoxville, who is just a normal dude. And he pretends to be, I don't know what the proper term is, a handicapped or special needs, whatever. He pretends to be that so he can compete in the Special Olympics. And so there's a lot of characters in the movie uh, who are special needs dudes. And the comedy in it, I look, I understand. I know the comedy in that movie. It's one of the only films I ever walked out of. I understand that the intention of the movie was totally good. It's just that to me, the way my personal sensibilities are, it came across to me, even though I know this wasn't their intention, it came across to me like they were making fun of special needs people. And that just felt icky to me, even though I know they didn't mean it that way. And for a lot of people, the, the movie was taken the way it was probably intended, like laughing together and, and, and just making, just having a celebration of the special Olympics and all that kind of stuff. But for me and my sensibilities, it didn't sit right. And so I had to get up and walk out. 
Now, I'm not saying I was right and other people were wrong. Not at all. It's just that the way my particular sensibilities were just didn't feel right, so I left. For you, your sensibilities, that stuff doesn't jive with you, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like they don't jive with me. I find it to be very funny. I find it to be funny, and there I find an odd authenticity about it. I know that sounds weird to say about something so over the top, but amidst the F-bombs and the sex stuff and, and whatever, there's something oddly authentic about it to me, but that's just me and my sensibilities, right? So, hey, man, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got some things that they, their own personal sensibilities don't allow them to enjoy certain things. This happens to be one for you. Nothing wrong with that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on it. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John and crew. So I started watching The Righteous Gemstones. Everybody's been talking to me about that lately on HBO Max, and I'm actually liking it a lot. Have you watched it? And what did you think? Have a great day. I have not watched it. I've had zero interest in it. I really have. Um, but, and to me, it doesn't even look funny. It looks like a lot of cheap jokes about the same things everybody else has been joking about for the last 20 years. But I've been hearing so much about it lately. My buddy Ryan was over here watching uh, Peacemaker with me the other night, and a Gemstones ad came on. And he said, have you watched that? This is really good. I'm like, really? And then I had a couple of you guys write in saying Gemstones is really good. I'm like, really? And then Erin uh, Cummings told me she was watching. She really, really likes I might have to give it a shot at some point because a lot of people are telling me it's really good. All right. Next up, an anonymous viewer writes, is Disney ruining Boba Fett or could you imagine George Lucas going in a similar direction with the character? Oh, I totally could see George Lucas going in the same. After the prequels, I could totally see George Lucas doing what's what they're doing with Boba Fett right now. I could totally see it. Um, now, listen, it, it is funny too. I will say this. I, uh, I, the fact that you're saying, is Disney ruining it? Like, nobody wants to give Disney any credit with the stuff that go that works really well in Star Wars today, but they want to give them all the blame when something doesn't go wrong. Like, I remember when anybody talks about Mandalorian that they like, they say Favreau, 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 or Filoni sometimes, right? Favreau and Filoni, oh, oh, everything's so great. But as soon as it starts going bad, they say, Disney is ruining Boba Fett, right? It's just, it's just something that I've noticed a lot. But, um... I will say this. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're ruining Boba Fett until the series is over. There are still three episodes to go. And to me, it's still right on the fence. There've been a couple episodes I haven't liked. There've been a couple of episodes I've enjoyed. So right to me, it's still anybody's game. This thing could still go either way. If they come in strong with the next three episodes, it's going to be a win. So let's see how it goes. All right. Next up. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Stanley writes, the force in Star Wars is one of the most important things in the franchise. Uh, do you think it hurts Boba Fett to not have anything to do with force? For me, the force being used uh, through Grogu in Mandalorian was what made it feel like Star Wars to me. I don't think so. Um, Star Wars is more than the force. Star Wars is more than the Skywalkers. Star Wars is more than Yoda. Um, Star Wars is supposed to be this sprawling, massive universe and galaxy filled with millions of worlds and billions of creatures and untold numbers of stories to be told and this fanciful and 
And at the time of Star Wars, the Force is supposed to be very, 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 very rare, right? Very rare. Hardly any Sith or Jedi running around. And I actually like the idea of telling a Star Wars story without the Force. Like, uh, um, uh, Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. I, I put it, I say Rogue One is the second best Star Wars outside of the original trilogy. Like, there's the original trilogy, then there's The Force Awakens, then there's Rogue One. And it's magnificent. It had nothing to do with using the Force. And I think Stores needs to tell those stories. So, the Force is a key component in a lot of the Star Wars we've watched, but Star Wars needs to be more than just that. It's an important element, but there are other elements. So, I don't think if you just suddenly had some, I don't know, an Ewok Jedi. Like, if you had the same Boba Fett show, but he started hanging around with a Force-using Ewok, I don't think it would make the show any better, to be honest with you. So it's an an element, but it is not an essential element that has to be at the core of any story they tell. At least that's how I feel about it. Thanks for writing that in, Stephen. I really appreciate it, man. Carlos Sosa writes, Hey, John and crew. Do you think we will see the Spider-Man again in the MCU in the future? I don't think so. No Way Home was a blast. I saw it five times in theaters. No Way Home was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Look, I've said this a number of times. I'll say it again. I do not think we're going to see Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire again. But I would love to see Andrew Garfield back again. You know, Rob thinks we may see Andrew Garfield in, Ven in the next Venom movie. And I'm all for it. I will be there with bells on. I think and it's now official. Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man. You know, I've said for the last number of years that I kind of like them all equally for their own different reasons. Like Maguire, um, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. They each are very unique, different Peter Parkers, right? They each bring something very different to the table. And so I kind of like them all equally after watching no way home. And Maguire was great, and Tom Holland was great. But for me, Andrew Garfield was a standout. And I think it's kind of uh, cemented Garfield as my favorite of the Peter Parkers and Spider-Man. So I would love to see it. I don't think they're going to do it, but I certainly hope that they do. All right, next up, we got Alex V. And Alex V writes, Hey, John and Co., I cannot wait for the Obi-Wan show. I'm kind of excited about it myself. We know filming concluded a while ago, and there are rumors of an April or May release. Do you think we'll at least get a teaser before Moon Knight airs? Uh, then they'll state Obi-Wan soon after. Then they'll start. Oh, you probably meant. Then they'll slate Obi-Wan soon after. Lots of love. Yeah, that seems to make sense to me. Because clearly right now, Disney Plus is not overlapping shows, right? So you're not going to get Mandalorian Season 3 playing at the same time as Ms. Marvel. They space them out. We know that Moon Knight is coming, what did it say, March 30th? Moon Knight is coming March 30th. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we find out that Obi-Wan is going to be immediately after Moon Knight. That doesn't mean they necessarily have to drop the trailer before um, Moon Knight airs. I have a feeling they'll probably drop the trailer sometime after Moon Knight starts. That's my guess. I don't have any information that that's, suggests that's true. I'm just saying my guess is the Obi-Wan trailer will drop sometime after Moon Knight starts. And again, that's just a wild guess on my part, but we'll find out. But I'm excited for it myself. All right, next up, Alex V writes, I just remembered this as I submitted my last tip. 
Have you seen the title reveal Amazon did for the Rings of Power? We talked about it on the show the other day. The hype is building. September 2nd cannot come quick enough. John and hopefully Rob, Rob's not here right now. Any expectations for the show? Hopeful or wary? Oh, I'm extremely hopeful. I Listen, I've been stoked for this show ever since like a year and a half or two years ago, or however long ago it was now, that Amazon released this little sizzle highlighting all the behind-the-scenes creative people that are working on this Lord of the Rings show. From the directors and the producers, the writers, the the visual artists, the concept artists, the history, the Tolkien historians, all this kind of stuff working on it. And it's like, okay, now I'm super hyped for this. I cannot wait. So yeah, we did talk about it on the John Campus Show the other day. So just go on over to the YouTube channel and you should be able to find the segment we did on that. But yes, Alex V, I am very, very excited about it. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, regarding the Batman runtime, I'm worried. I prefer a two hour, 20 minute intro or a two, is that a two hour and 20 minute intro? Then build up. Oh, I see what you say saying. So I prefer a two hour and 20 minute intro, like a first movie and then build up the runtime in sequels like Endgame. I know Godfather did it, uh, but this is, but this is people in capes. But then I thought the third act of Dark Knight was so much was too much after the Joker was resolved. Uh, okay, and that's that. Um, here's the thing. I don't believe in any of that at all. I don't believe that a first movie should be shorter, a second movie should be a bit longer, and a third movie should be the longest. I don't believe in that at all. That's that's formula. And formula doesn't really have a place in anything. Every movie and story has its own unique runtime that would be perfect for it. Like, oh man, the perfect runtime for this movie is, you know, two hours and 35 minutes. Well... A first movie should be shorter, so cut it down. But it's but it's perfect the way it is. This is the right runtime for this movie. Yeah, but it's the first one, so we should make it shorter. So let's cut out some good stuff and make the movie worse in order to make it shorter. Or the opposite. Man, we got this movie. Hums has got perfect pacing. It's perfect. It's an hour and 45 minutes. Ah, uh, well, you know, it's the third one in the franchise. That means it's got to be the longest one. Take a bunch of your deleted stuff and throw it back in. But but we deleted that stuff out because it unnecessarily slows down the movie and it repeats some information that we don't need to have repeated. It makes it a little bit redundant. It's not as good of a movie if we add in the extra 20 minutes. Yeah, but it's the third movie, so it needs to be the longest. Like, I don't, I don't believe in any of that. I don't care if the first movie is the longest, the second movie is the shortest, and the third movie is somewhere in between. Every movie, every script has a right runtime for it. And you just got to discover what that is. And really, they can't do that until they get into the editing room. You know what I mean? So I'm okay. I'm okay with it being almost three hours long. Now, ask me again after I see the movie. Because I might come out of the Batman saying, man, that was too long. Like, it was, there was at least 15, 20 minutes that you easily could have cut out of the movie without disrupting the narrative. And it would have made it run at a much better pace and have been tighter and moved with more... Uh, purpose and just been a more of a ride. It would have been a better film if you cut 15 or 20 minutes out. I might come out of the Batman saying, man, I felt like they rushed a bunch of stuff. They should have added in like another 10, 15 minutes, maybe an extra scene of that. We won't know until we see it. But without seeing it before we see it, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, you know what? I, I think almost three hours 
is perfectly fine until we see it. And then we'll kind of have some judgments on that. All right. Next up, Jonathan writes in, I realize I'm like sending in too much profanity laced comments and I have to apologize to our younger viewers. I'll keep it PG 13. Maybe, you know what, Jonathan, you bring up something. I have said this a number of times, but I haven't really done something about it. But today I, I thought about it, you know, on the John Campus show today, and I'm recording this today on Friday, January the 21st on the John Campus show earlier today. Somebody was asking something about the Oscars. It was, it was a great question. And I went off on this rant, right? And I dropped several F-bombs and, and I realized, you know what? I really do want to try to swear less on the show, not eliminate my swearing. Cause sometimes I think swearing is called for, but I think I really do want to try to cut back on the amount of swearing I do. And the reason is not because I'm trying to censor myself, but I've had so many people, you would, you guys have no idea. I've had so many people write into me that tell me and not, not in a complaining way. They just write in to tell me, Hey, like here's a picture of me and my daughter watching the John Campy show together. Or me and my kid, we, we, we watch the John Campy show together every day. And I've had a lot of people send me videos of their like babies watching like the, like I've had a couple people send me these things where the John Campy show comes on on the screen and their baby gets all happy. Like this, you have no idea that stuff makes my heart sing. It totally does. But that just makes me feel like I sh I'm going to try to watch myself a little bit. I'm <laughs> just because I want to be respectful to a lot of you folks that do watch it with your kids or to you folks who wish you could watch the show with your kids, but you can't because that can't be a fella keeps dropping untold amounts of F bombs all the time. So you know what? New year's resolutions. I, I will never completely eliminate swearing from that show. Cause like I said, I think sometimes some profanity is absolutely called for, but uh, my new year's resolution is I'm going to try to watch my language a little bit more. I am. And it's not, again, it's not as, uh, out of a sense of needing to censor myself. It's out of a sense of, you know what? Just like watching people watching movies with their kids is special. You're creating a moment by watching something with your kids together. I want to make sure you're able to do it. So I'm going to try to watch that a little bit more moving forward. So uh, you and me both, Jonathan, you and me both. All right, next up. Smokey McPot writes, and he sends in like a $20 tip. Thank you, Smokey, for supporting our channel on that level, man. I appreciate that, dude. Smokey writes, hey, John and crew, uh, regarding this mystery person in a mocap suit you have a picture of, is it Tom Cruise on the set of Doctor Strange? I saw a crazy, probably false report that he's going to be an Iron Man variant in the film. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, look, I can tell you right now that no. Uh, the picture I have and I have shown Rob is, is not that. And by the way, I've seen the picture floating around. I, I talked about this on the show the other day. I'm not even 100% sure that is Tom Cruise. If it is, I'm not sure that picture was taken in the last five years. And if it was, I'm, there's certainly nothing in there to, to suggest that it's on the set of Doctor Strange. Now, look, a lot of people speculated for a long time that maybe Tom Cruise, because, you know, Tom Cruise is in the running to play Iron Man back in the day before Robert Downey Jr. got the role. So a lot of people for a long time have talked about, you know, oh, like maybe he could pop up. 
So is it possible we could see Tom Cruise popping up in that? Absolutely. But somebody finding some random picture with no context of somebody who kind of looks like Tom Cruise, and maybe it is, and they just throw, throwing it online saying, this is Tom Cruise on set of Doctor Strange. I, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm certainly not saying it's impossible. I'm saying there's nothing there to believe, though. Just like at the same time, somebody found some random picture of Hugh Jackman, like a random picture of Hugh Jackman, and posted it on some Reddit somewhere and say, this is Hugh Jackman on set of Doctor Strange 2, and everybody just bought it. Like, hey, maybe Hugh Jackman is popping up in Doctor Strange 2. Maybe. But I ain't certainly going to get excited by some random picture of Hugh Jackman completely with no context in it. And then just somebody saying this is from the set of Doctor Strange 2. I mean, so there's that too. But eh, one never knows, Smokey. All right, next up. Uh, A.V. Callie writes, I started seeing the book of Boba Fett. Goodness, what kind of garbage is this? Uh, These are the same creators who made Mandalorian. I'm on episode four. Still have no idea what the journey is about. At times, it's not as if I'm watching something from Star Wars lore. This is the craziest thing to me. That this is Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. A couple of new directors, a couple of directors they've worked with before. This is essentially the same core team that's made Mandalorian season one and two. And it doesn't feel at all like Mandalorian season one and two. It doesn't at all have the quality that Mandalorian seasons one and two has. At least not yet. And again, like I, I think we need to temper... I always say, don't get too excited too quickly and don't get too down too quickly. We're halfway through the show, a little bit more than halfway through the show. We still have three episodes to go. Let's see how it goes. This might finish. Listen, I'll tell you right now, if this show finishes strong, it's going to end up as a win in my books because right now there's two episodes I really didn't like. There's two episodes that I did enjoy. Let's see how it finishes out and then we'll go from there. All right. Next up, A.V. Callie also writes. Saw the Eternals. Something that annoys me is at the end when Arashim is seen. It doesn't add up. This dude is huge. We would have seen huge tidal waves across the world if he was that close to Earth due to the gravitational pull, not to mention earthquakes. Not necessarily. He is a celestial. Celestials could affect and impact, you know, uh, uh, heavenly spheres like the Earth in different ways than what a normal thing would. For all we know, his very being may counteract whatever... Like, remember, he is a mythological, fictional character. So how do the rules and laws of physics apply to this godlike creature who created our universe? If he was just a random large giant thing, yeah, <laughs> that would happen. But for all we know with celestials, they have properties about them that it doesn't affect, you know, uh, heavenly bodies like a planet or whatever. So we don't know. We don't know. There are other things to be worried about. That part doesn't worry me, A.V. Kelly. I'm going to be honest with you. All right. Orange Grove writes, a lot of people meh about Book of Boba Fett. Do you feel this might be due to Chapek meddling? No. Or is it too early for that and more likely residual Iger era problems? Thank you, sir. It has nothing to do with Bob Chapek or Bob Iger. First of all, you got to understand, Bob Chapek, I believe you're going to see problems in Disney films be it Pixar, Disney Pictures, Star Wars, Marvel, you are going to see problems down the road. Two years, three years down the road as a result of a totally backwards thinking culture 
that Bob Iger is bringing in, that creatives aren't important. All that's important is my former banker buddy's opinion. The creatives don't count anymore. But you also got to understand that means Bob Chapep doesn't care enough about the actual creative process to butt in. And Iger very rarely, if ever, got involved in the creative process. Iger was always about supporting the creators. And then he had generals, like there was Alan Horn. So it's like you had the directors of, like, say, with Marvel, you have the directors, and then above them you have Kevin Feige. But above Kevin Feige was Alan Horn. So Iger never got involved creatively and because he believed in the creative process. Bob Chapek also doesn't get involved creatively, but it's for the opposite reason, because he doesn't give a shit. Bob Chapek doesn't care about creatives. He doesn't care about the creative process. All he cares about are his number crunchers who are telling them that, oh, if we were going to try to grow Disney Plus, we got to put this much content on there. We'll just crank it out. He just doesn't give a shit. So the reality is, if there's problems with Book of Boba Fett, you don't have to look any further than John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and uh, Kathleen Kennedy. That that's where you got to look. Has has nothing to do with Bob Chapek. Now you're gonna, again, you're going to because of Bob Chapek's bad creative policies. I think you're going to see that affect things, but those you won't feel those effects for a couple of years. I think so. Right now, no. As much as I'm not a fan of Bob Chapek, you cannot blame him for this. And again. Maybe the book of Boba Fett ends strong and there's nobody, there's nothing to blame anybody for. So let's, let's wait and see how that goes. All right. Next up, Paul Drummer writes, Hey, John and crew. Last week I wrote in saying I was enjoying Boba Fett, but I wanted him to whoop some ass. Like in Mandalorian, episode four did not disappoint. I love the NTs as well. I think this was probably the best episode so far. I still think episode two was the best episode. Um, there was just too much, like, I, I hate the techno EDM punk gangs and stuff like that, that are on Tatooine, that little chasing the little robot through the kitchen and Boba Fett is a clumsy idiot. Like, Oh no, I'm knocking over everything in the kitchen, but I can't get this over. Then he gets the robot. I am Boba Fett. Anyway, but I, overall, I did like episode four. Most of the ass kicking done was done by, uh, Fennec. It, it wasn't done by Boba Fett himself. And so I, I don't know, but again, episodes one and three, not very good to me. Episodes two and four, I like, including this one. So, and, and if they can go, if we can go in episodes five, six, and seven, and then strong, this can be a winner. All right. Next up, uh, desire writes, John, I just got done watching the new upload on HBO max's YouTube channel and peacekeeper explaining why he's better than other DC characters is just gold. Please tell me you've watched it. I did watch it. I didn't think it was that funny. To be honest with you, I didn't think it was that funny. But the one thing that I loved, and I'm probably way reading too much into this, like way reading too much into this. But when Peacemaker starts talking about Superman, they actually brought up a picture of Henry Cavill's Superman. Remember, this is Warner Brothers. And when Peacemaker started talking about Superman, they brought up a picture of Henry Cavill's Superman. Now, I know... You, you guys know, look at who's I, who I got back here. You guys know what Henry Cavill's Superman, he is my favorite Superman. Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is the most underrated comic book film in the history of comic book films. But when I saw it, I thought, well, they're actually using his picture. Does, could that mean that Henry Cavill may still be Superman in something coming up? I know I'm, I'm, I'm reaching. Oh my God, I'm reaching. 
That is a stretch. That is a Reed Richards level stretch. I totally agree it is. But let me hold on to hope, damn it. Let me hold on to hope. All right. Twitch27 writes, the intro for the new Lord of the Rings is not CGI. Everything uh, is real and filmed. It's on IGN on how they made the trailer intro. Yeah, I was heard. I heard that was pretty practical. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make it any better. I mean, all it is is like molten metal running down and etching. I, I mean, whether it's CG or practical, it still is what it is. And I liked. Again, it's not even a teaser. It's just an announcement, right? And it got me excited. So whether it's CG or practical, irrele- completely irrelevant, but it did the job in the fact that it keeps me excited for this project. I'm really, really stoked to see where it goes. All right. Kara Black writes, oh gosh, buckle up. One of 12. Here we go. Hey, John and crew. I decided over the past several days to rewatch the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy after not having watched them in well over a decade. So I wanted to share my thoughts. For Curse of the Black Pearl, overall... This is the best Pirates film. I'm assuming Curse of the Black Pearl is the original one. Best Pirates film, and it brings such a refreshing joy to revisit it after all these years. Say what you will about the Depp Heard drama, but Johnny Depp is so damn good in this film as Captain Jack Sparrow, and his uh, his best actor nomination at the 2004 Academy Awards was well deserved. I agree. Uh, Dead Man's Chest as a whole film is slightly below the first one. Some things that happen are a bit silly and unrealistic such as Jack falling a great distance, even though his fall is being broken by several uh, weak wooden bridges and ends up not dying or suffering any injuries from the fall. However, a big reason for why this film is really good is because of the character Davy Jones, my favorite character in the entire series. The astonishingly perfect uh, CGI, and the CGI in that is amazing, used to bring the character to life and the actor portraying him, Bill Nye, who is absolutely magnificent. I still loved him in Shaun of the Dead. Um is absolutely magnificent as Jones. Every scene that references and features Jones is outstanding in every way. I do wish they had kept the full seven-minute version of the Liar's Dice scene. Uh, That is up on YouTube with the completed CGI and score between Davey and Will, which would have made it a perfect scene, even though I still do enjoy the theatrical version of the scene. The score by Hans Zimmer is brilliant. I, I love the score. Pirates of the Caribbean score, honestly, to me, is a top 10. Anyway... His themes for the Kraken, the Flying Dutchman, and the tragic, beautiful, and haunting theme for Davy Jones. At World's End is a fun yet emotional conclusion to the original Pirates trilogy. Davy Jones is once again the best part of the film, and like Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, Jones is basically the Darth Vader of the Pirates universe, uh, is a very sympathetic villain here who absolutely who i absolutely feel for the scene where the flying dutchman first appears is a perfect example of that where you where you say where you uh don't even see jones but you can still feel just how pissed off he is at being used like a puppet under lord beckett with the way he just absolutely decimates an entire pirate fleet in just minutes as the most powerful version of his tragically beautiful theme plays over the cannon fire and destruction The scene where we first see Jones playing a somber version of his theme on his organ and he sheds a tear and then gets angry that he did really made my eyes water. At the end, when Jones dies, I felt nothing but emotional pain and sadness in my heart for him as he fell to the maelstrom, as I don't believe this tragic character deserved the fate handed to him. Overall, I really like how this Pirates uh, trilogy is structured very similarly to the original Star Wars trilogy. All right. 
That was a big mouthful there, <laughs> there, Kara. I look, I would I would say this. And if you've watched my show for any period of time, you know my feelings on this. I do not like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise generally. Like the first film is great. I don't really like any of the other ones. Like I actually thought the last one they did was probably the best one they've did since the original. And I don't think the last one they did is great either, but I, I liked it and I think it's the best one they did since the original. But it, the, the original is the only one that I really, really, really enjoyed. And Johnny Depp getting the Academy Award nomination for that was no fluke. That was fantastic. One of the things that I really don't like about the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is that when you go to the first Pirates movie, while he was like what he was, you know, he's, just, he's kind of aloof in this care. But at the end of the day, in the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Captain Jack Sparrow was somebody you feared. He was someone to be reckoned with and you did not want to cross blades with him right as the franchise progressed captain jack became more and more of a joke like he honestly became more and more of a jar jar binks kind of character where he would accidentally fall into success right that it despite his buffoonery he would get some success. And that was really, and I felt like as the franchise moved on, it got more and more like that, which kind of turned me off. Anyway, but let's talk about the, the second two films. I completely agree with you in the sense that Davy Jones, uh, played by Bill, and the the especially for the era, like when the CGI for his Davy Jones character was done with the tentacles and the squid face, like that was so ahead of its time. When it came out and him as a character was a beautiful character and I loved it. And it was the best part of the franchise for those next two films. The problem with me for me, I should say was despite the fact that he was really a standout and that was a winner character. It was still within a story and still within a set of movies that didn't really work for me despite the strength of the original. So, yeah, I unfortunately, the second two films don't hold a very special place in my heart, but absolutely the shining part of those other two films, Kara, absolutely was Davy Jones. I, I agree with you 100 percent of that. No doubt. All right, guys, with that down, that'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. Now, there are still more questions to come, but do not worry. We'll pick right up where we did last time, either in another companion, this companion video this weekend or on the John campus show on Monday. But uh, that's all the time we have for now, guys, big special. Thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John campus show. Thank you guys very much for your support. So that'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.